You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison. Thanks, Mark. You know, you're looking particularly ravishing today for radio. <laughs> uh, i got a face for it. Yes, you do. I am super psyched uh, to have this guest today. I actually did some research on him. Um, it wasn't till this morning, but uh, it was fun because he's a man after my own heart. And fortunately uh, for him, he learned his lesson a lot earlier than I did. And... Uh, I just can't wait to talk to him. Hey, how you doing there, Noah? I'm doing well, my friend. Doing well. <laughs> Started this morning off right. I'm feeling good. Yeah, he's got lots of energy and uh, lots. I can tell he's got belief um, and trust in his future. It's really cool. Um, did we say this is Noah Schultz? Uh, this is Noah Schultz, and you can look him up right now. You can Google him. Uh, he's a very interesting man. Um, he's started up a clothing line called Forgotten Culture Clothing, and uh, he's actually a co-founder. He's doing that with a friend, mm -hmm. and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about what uh, Noah has done to get to this point, because that's really um, what is going to help others, too. So, Noah, um, tell me a little bit about how you got here. How I got to how you, well, how you, yeah, how you got to, um, you know, the trouble you were in and, and the transformation. For sure, for sure. So, you know, a lot of my story starts um, at the age of 12. Um, it actually starts at the age of nine when my family made this big move. We moved from a quiet neighborhood in Gresham to a low-income neighborhood in southeast Portland. And I was going to a private school at that time. Like, my family was crazy religious at this point in time. And there was like this church member who paid for me and my brother's tuition to go to this, this private school. So we had been going there and my mom had gotten pregnant with twins. So she had me, my brother, and she was gonna have two more daughters. Mm. So there's gonna be five of us. And they were like, oh shit, like how are we gonna make this one happen? So we moved to that neighborhood in Southeast Portland. And that's when things really started to change for me. It was still the summertime, so we hadn't went to school yet, but I started seeing violence in the streets like I hadn't seen before. I started seeing kids getting beat up and thrown in bushes, and it was just like... What was, neighborhood was this? This was on 145th, 145th and Division. Wow, things have sure changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I was, I was out that way, and we, we started going toward... Uh, I went to Harold Oliver Elementary School. Mm. And it was in this point in time where I just started really trying to find my identity, trying to find how I fit in in that school, and a lot of it was just getting in trouble getting in fights, and people were like, damn, this kid will tell the teacher, fuck you, like, this kid's cool, you know what I mean? And, and, and that just made you want to do it more. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. I started getting that attention from that. Mm -hmm. um, but the kind of attention I received from that was going to the counselor's offices repeatedly, repeatedly, and they started telling me, they started hitting me with these labels. They started telling me I was ADD, they started telling me I was ADHD, like, this kid has energy, he has ADHD, put him on Ritalin. You know what I mean? I had AD, they said I had ADHD, ADD. They said I was and, bipolar at one point, impulse disorder, like all this, all this shit, man. Yeah, entry-level drug, Ritalin. Man, well. <laughs> so the way I, I feel like I interpreted those labels was, fuck this place. I'm not supposed to be. Like, this is just not a place for me. And I started finding where I started getting that, that attention, which was from the streets, right? I started hanging out with the guys in the neighborhood, hanging out with the gang in the belonging. neighborhood. Belonging. Exactly, yeah. mm -hmm. exactly. And I felt that belonging. And power. Exactly. Instant power, instant gratification. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Um, so by 12 years old, I started selling drugs full time. And the guys showed me how to do it, and I was good at it. Mm -hmm. I was like, damn, man, like I can do this. And I tried to get all my friends to do it, and they couldn't do it. Like we could do it. And I was just like, damn, like there's, I'm good at this. It's kind of skills at that. I, I, yeah. I was good at it, but I always got <clears> busted, so I must not have been that good. So, <laughs> so I started following with them 12 years old. By 13, I got jumped into the gang. Um, I was running with Southsiders at that time, and uh, up until the age of 17, I was I was involved with that lifestyle. Um, before I had gotten incarcerated, and I always like to bring this up because there's always a backstory. Sure. There's always 
usually like a, a manifestation of some sort of pain in your life that just leads you to a point where you just like pull the trigger on some shit you regularly wouldn't do. Yeah, you say fuck it. You just say fuck it. That's right. You know, and um, a lot of that came when my mom had left. Like my mom was the foundation of our household. My mom kept my dad, at, you know, at a base level. She she ran the house, man. And when she she ran away, things just went things just went to shit. So I remember coming home with my best friend, um, the other co-founder of Forgotten Culture Clothing. We drive back to the neighborhood, and we go inside the house, and just we came back from the beach. So the energy was just like, you know when you go to the beach and you're just like feeling it? There's just mm-hmm. something about that place. Yeah. And we come back from the beach, and just the energy is dismal. We walk into the house, and it was like, you could cut that shit with a knife. We walk in there, and I'm just like, yo, like, what's, what happened? Like, what's up? And I asked my older brother. My dad's not talking to nobody. He's like, hey, yeah, like, you know, mom left, but, you know, she'll be back. And there was like that repeat. She would run away, come back. And uh, this time she didn't come back. And she, she left with my little brother and my twin sisters and a lot of the stability of, of the household. And I love her, and I totally respect her decision to leave 100%. I'm not throwing any blame on anybody. Um, it doesn't do any good to blame, right? No, nah, not at all. So it, But just the way it affected me in that time, and I just started falling deeper into the gangbanging, and we started losing our house. We started... We just couldn't make the payments. I started selling the drugs. I started making, helping my dad, just shooting him some money from some of my sales and stuff. Yeah. And um, I ended up getting robbed. Oh, was that right? That, that's and, right. Okay, and then you had to, take, you had to uh, get retribution for that. Yeah, so I ended up getting robbed. Um, I had just turned 17 around that time. I ended up getting robbed for 3200 And um, just, you know how it works on the streets. It's just, there's that culture around that. Like, no one's robbing you. You have to go... You yeah, have to go get so, your money. So back. here you are doing, you know, the right thing in your world uh, at the time, mm-hmm. and you know, taking care of business by going and getting this guy and give, giving him his. And uh, but you find out that eventually th- it's this lifestyle that uh, that leads to that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you didn't have that lifestyle, I'm not preaching. I'm just uh, you For know sure. paraphrasing. Um, if you didn't, if you weren't involved in this lifestyle, you would. Uh, that would be a robbery and you wouldn't do it or you know that would be a beating that you mm-hmm. that wouldn't be um, sanctioned yeah and so um, anyway so that happens and then you, you go to prison and keep things moving along uh, you were how long did it take you to realize you didn't want to be doing this anymore and that you mm-hmm. had a way out Exactly. So 17 years old, I get seven and a half years. It's uh, the first time I was ever inside and everything. I get seven and a half years. At 17 years old, I thought my life was over. Mm-hmm. Right. I started trying to imagine what, who I was going to be at 24. Like that was just like a crazy ass thing. I was like, well, damn. Oh, man. Doing, yeah. I started doing like mental calculations of how much did I change from 10 to 17? And how's it going to be for when I get out and I'm almost 25? Yeah. At that age, the perspective, you know, you just really don't have the perspective exactly. of time. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sitting in my cell and everything. And I like to tell the kids I, I go around and I speak and stuff. And I like to tell the kids that there's formulas. And you can look at the habits, like you said earlier in our brief conversation getting coffee, you can look at the habits common of someone threads. who is, yeah, common threads. You can look at the habits of these people who are either succeeding or failing, and you can break them down from the wealthy businessman to the homeless guy on the corner. Correct. You can look at daily habits, and um, that's kind of what I did, is I broke down the 10-year plan of what it meant to be, you know, gangbanging and doing the life that I was doing. and. I decided that the retirement plan really wasn't for me. So and education that, became a big deal for it you. Did, it did, but yeah. it was more positive peer pressure that I got involved with the education, right? Sure. So I made this decision that I was going to, I wanted something different in my life. I didn't want to do that, but I was still in that search for that identity. 17 years old, I'm really trying to find out who the hell I am, right? So I go to, after I'm processing everything, waiting for my sentence, by the time I get to McLaren, I'm 18 years old. And there was a group of guys there who really influenced me to do positive. And these guys were were That's from lucky. similar backgrounds, man. Yeah. yeah, similar backgrounds, man. But they were, and this is so so unique to Oregon, is that they even had a college program in a correctional facility. Yeah, that's I think amazing. McLaren's McLaren's like one of the the only ones that's doing it. Like, I, I like can't emphasize enough how important that is for mm-hmm. guys to have opportunities in there. You one hundred percent, absolutely. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And um. So I get involved with these guys and everything, and I start going. I'm forced to do the high school program there. So I'm just, like, kind of run the route through the high school program and stuff. But I wanted to do do college. Now, at the point, like, I still didn't believe, like, college was something that I could do. And 
I just wasn't confident. Like, school was just kind of a scary thing for me. Education was a scary thing for me. It's just something that kind of left me, just left a bad taste in my mouth for my I younger totally years. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I just started persisting. I asked, I remember there's just this story with this mentor. Her name's Deborah Romare, and she's in the documentary as well. And I remember sitting down with her one day, and I was like, hey, Deborah, like, you do you think I could, I could do this thing, like this this college thing? And she just got excited for me, man. She got super excited for me, and she was like, hell yeah. Like, do you, could you, are you kidding me? Like, you are the perfect candidate. You have to. You just got you just got to get over that hurdle of, exactly. of, of belief that you're not mm-hmm. capable or scared, you know, yeah. you're scared. You know, I, I, I know that when I was uh, in prison, uh, I would see these guys come into the GED program, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of times when uh, in the different prisons we were in, you had to have a GED in order to get a job within the facility. Mm. So these guys would go, okay, right, I'm going to get my GED. And for the first time, they would go in there and they realized that, wow, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think I could do this, but you know what? I did the pretest and I scored pretty good. Yeah. And you know what? It gave them this, uh, this attitude of achievement that they never really seen before. Sure. And it took him to different levels, just like it did you. For sure. Yeah, nobody asked you, lad, but that's okay. <laughs> oh. <Yeah. laughs> so, so I remember just having that conversation with Deborah. I remember walking into the, also another thing was going into the library, our, local, our, our library in the facility. And I remember asking the librarian to print me off a piece of paper that said college in the biggest font that she could get it. Mm-hmm. And I was a real big believer in visualization. Like, I want to look my goals in the mirror every morning. I want something that's going to remind repetition. me. Repetition. I remember exactly. you talking repetition in your TED Talk. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, it was a good TED Talk, by the way. If anybody you. wants to uh, check out a really cool uh, TED, TED Talk, uh, just Google him. Just Google it. Um, just Google Noah, Noah Schwartz. Schultz. Schultz. <laughs> Will you uh, spell that? So I S-C-H-U-L-T-Z. Yeah. Hey, you can. Uh, I've gotten that before, man. So yes, um, I'm like, how old was I when I? I was like 19 or something like that, right? And then I start getting involved with this associates program. Um, in McLaren, this is something that's unique. Like I said, to to this facility was we had a college lab. So we had this lady who had the all these monitors, and she would watch every single thing we were doing on our screens. We had keystrokes. Yeah. Every every time you type into a key, that shit was remembered. You know what I mean? So if you're messing around, then you're gonna get you're gonna get hit, and all of your your college opportunities is donezo. You you're, didn't have access out. to the web though, did you? We did. Oh, limited, wow. limited okay. though. Only for uh, like specific things, research things right. like that. So there was no way you could like do crazy, you know, victim stuff. Oh, no, 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 predatory nah. stuff. Nah, nothing. Yeah, yeah okay. no weird shit. Um, and through Not that, that I you would. Like, yeah, 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 no, no, no. It's that that's 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 good to bring up because yeah. like that's the kinds of things that are are gonna to come up when other people are gonna trying to get college programs in their facilities. Right, and there you know I mean? and there is it's a really good point that um, there is resistance to having convicts, uh, people that are convicted of crimes, uh, to giving them opportunities. Yeah. You know, because some people some people think it just makes super criminals, but um, I'm a believer that that is not really what happens. I think that's Most bullshit. Part, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, that's, that's an that's old that's an old idea that some people are holding on to. So. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad they have those kind of safeguards because I, I know that uh, sometimes a one or two guys can really ruin a program Almost for definitely. a whole bunch of guys in there. For sure, for sure. They say tough on crime. I say tough on rehabilitation. There you know it is, mean? buddy. Yeah, like that's mm-hmm. that's. It should be you, accountability. You mentioned exactly. accountability. It's a huge. It's a great word. People are scared of that word. People are pissed off at that word. But that's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's it, it. Has you have to become accountable personally Absolutely. and to others to make to make this change for sure and grow for sure. So I started. I started with that associates program, and I was able to to knock that out. And I got my associate's degree and I wanted to do something bigger than that. I wanted to, I had some friends who were going and getting their bachelor's and I was like, I want to do that. I want to get my bachelor's. But obviously I had no family funding. Nothing was going to like pay for my college and stuff. So what I did was I put together this project and I put together this sheet and I called it Project Outreach. And I broke down every single college class that I'd be taking, the financial assistance that I would need for each one, how much financial aid would cover, how much... Um, grants would cover and just sent that out to anybody and everybody I thought would listen and through that I was how'd you do it Facebook uh, no letters I I packed it up I packed it up and I I sent it out to um, former high school teachers 
everybody, man. And through that, I was able to to get some some funding for for my college through great. Dick Withnell and some some and community that's members. Some, that's a great lesson for people out there. Just you know, you got to get outside the box and, and do things that are risky. Do things that are that are uh, that are creative. That's uh, very mm-hmm. creative. Hey, Dave. You know, uh, I'm reminded of uh, the program that you spoke at in uh, San Quentin one time. Uh, the entrepreneur program, which was kind of like that. You know, they took the top level um, college. Uh, the guys. last mile is called. Mm-hmm. The last mile. Dave was able to speak to these guys. Um, and what they did was they would, these businessmen, local community businessmen would take, and women, would take these guys under their wing, mm-hmm. uh, the, these guys that were excelling in the college yeah. programs that were offered there. And then uh, they would take them under their wing, help them uh, take them to another level in the college place and also um, offer them a job when they got out of the yeah. out of the thing it was just that's beautiful really really great yeah, yeah there's there's some good stuff around the country but yeah go ahead uh, where were you so so I ended up sending out this this packet and I ended up getting the funding for for my college tuition and I'm able to go to Oregon State University all online and my first major was human development and I chose human development because... Because you were developing is, your human. Because <laughs> you're a human and wanting to develop. But look, but look, I wanted to do community development. Uh-huh. But on, on online college, you can only choose from a small list of, of things that they're offering. And I was mm-hmm. like, shit, community development, human development. I was like, this is the closest thing I'm going to get to what I want to do. Okay. So I just I started going that human development, and I learned a lot of good things in the process. I learned about brain science. I learned about... You know how we develop as as people. Um, That's huge. Yeah. So I'm I'm halfway through that. I'm about to graduate with that, and I'm just like, you know what? Like this just isn't fulfilling my my need for education right now. So I took on another major, and I started going for uh, another bachelor's in sustainability. And That's I have just environmental issues were something that I'd always weighed heavy on my heart, and I wanted to see how we could be more sustainably conscious in our business, and you know. So I started going after that. In um, 2015, I graduated with two bachelors from Oregon State University. I was still hungry. I wanted to do more, and I was able to get this grant to go to Portland State. So I started going to Portland State That's for cool. a program called that was uh, focused around social innovation and social entrepreneurship. I love business, and I loved what nonprofits were doing for the community. I want to learn how to blend those two. And create socially something that did responsible, exactly, socially exactly, conscious man. business. It's great, and that's just kind of like my belief, man. Is that uh, our businesses should be giving back to our communities, and if they're not, they're <laughs> fucking lost. You know, that's that's not a new idea, but it's uh, a, but it's a great one. And I mean, the fact that you are that you're doing that at your young age is pretty amazing to me. And uh, I, when I was your age, I didn't. I mean, I didn't even really start going to prison yet, and mm-hmm. I didn't have your attitude. That's for sure. Um, but, you know, that's, what else did you do along the way? Was it like, uh, I mean, at, what other studies did you make? Did you take, mm-hmm. did you do, so obviously you did some business, you did some yeah. accounting, that kind of thing mm-hmm. also. Yeah. Yeah. So other studies, you know, McLaren has this amazing program called the Hope Partnership and the Hope Partnership is a nonprofit that operates within the facility. Now, the thing that makes this unique is that it's youth ran. Right, so we had a group of, of leadership guys, us guys in the facility, and we had a, our finger to the pulse of what the guys in the facility wanted. And we were talking about, you know, we want to bring in, for example, um, we want to bring in a, a breakdance program, right? So all the guys would vote on it and everything, and then Kathy, Kathleen Fullerton, would serve as our community liaison, and she would go out to the community and bring the resources in. And then we had a captive audience, people who wanted to take advantage of what was being asked for, and we just hop straight into it. So a lot of my my stuff, the most transformational things I did was through the Hope Partnership. A lot of it's giving back, isn't it? A lot of it. Sure. I mean, you 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 learn something amazing in your own life, and you realize just how much you can uh, benefit other people, and they can benefit you when you give back. You know, you get. I call it selfish. I think mm-hmm. it's selfish. You, you give back because you want a better world. You want to help people. It makes you feel good. So For if sure. you feel good, that's a good selfish. Um, and I think that's what you've discovered. So that's sure. pretty cool. For sure. It's so, amazing. So yeah, just through the whole partnership, took advantage of pretty much everything that they brought in. Like I was like, I'm not doing anything today, and like I'm gonna go. Like why not? I'm right. I'm there. Now, how long ago did you do that? 
Um, Start that. Working through the whole, working yeah. with the whole partnership. That was, you know, it's crazy because 2010 is when it first came to McLaren, mm-hmm. and I was able to see it grow into kind of what it is today and take advantage of a lot of the stuff in the, so the, the whole time you were in it. You yeah, were kind sure. of involved. Okay. Yep. Um, I want to get to you know a little bit further along in for the sure, most definitely. now. What um, you did the studies and you continued to study, and during that time you must have just been psyched. You probably didn't hardly sleep. I mean. Just enough. You got your sleep, but you were just mm-hmm. always you're running and going. Oh man, There's always. There's stuff to do. That's the exciting thing. Um, I didn't learn this till I was 38 years old, and I had an epiphany in prison. I was suicidal up to that point, um, and this epiphany I had from that point on, I um, I was just excited, and I I stopped blaming and I stopped tripping on the corrections officers who would mm-hmm. come and try to make things difficult, try to yeah. screw up your day. I was like, man, that guy's more, he's more unhappy than I am. You know, I, I started feeling compassion for sure, and saying, hey, you know, um, and, and feeling free. For the first time in my life, I was free and I was in prison. Now, did that happen to you? Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. I like to say that freedoms and everything is up to you if you want to see it. And this is like going back, I'm a spoken word poet. Um, and, and the way I ended this poem was, the air we breathe is no different than the air they breathe. The sky we see is no different than the sky they see. The feelings we feel are no different than the feelings they feel. They can That's take great. you from everything you know, but you will always have your time. Circumstances right? don't have to rule you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So you got to, when, when did you start thinking about producing your own product and uh, yeah. doing your own marketing on a business out here? For sure. So that started while I was still inside. I was in a transition facility. Me and my business partner, best friend, um, Gaetano, our, our our story jumps back to when we were 12 years old, right? This is somebody I went through the whole, like, we were involved with gangs he was together. He gangster. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and we were, the, we were the, the top two who were moving product in the neighborhood, yeah. right? And we were just, we had, like, the strongest relationship. And um, when I went away, he ended up catching a, a Fed case. He fortunately didn't do any time. He, he got off on federal probation. But that forced him to make his own transformation. That was enough for him, huh? Exactly. Okay, yeah. Great. Yeah. And we just we started growing over the phone, right? I, I cut off pretty much everybody from the past that wasn't moving in the same direction I was moving in, because yeah, you got to do it. You got to run with fast horses, man. Mm-hmm. And um, I was talking with him, with Guy, and everything, and we were gonna do kombucha, right? We were gonna do kombucha at first, and yeah. it's funny, it's crazy, because I used to say to to the staff in there, I'm going to be the Dave's killer bread of kombucha, <laughs> right? And I was like, I used to say that in the, in the facility. You can call and ask them, man. I love it. And uh, we started talking and everything, and we were like, damn, bro, is, is this really what we want to do? Is kombucha really the, the what we want to spend all our time on? Mm-hmm. And we looked at the market and just, like, how fast it was growing, and we're like, Gaetano started working um, with Morpheus Youth Project, which is an amazing nonprofit out here in Portland that does great work with the kids and stuff. And uh, he started screen printing in the basement of Morpheus. And he was like, bro, what do you think about this clothing thing? I'm thinking about calling it Filthy Christ. And I was like, damn, bro, that's going to piss some people off, bro. And he was like, and then we switched it up to Forgotten Culture. Mm. And I was like, cool, cool. Same same initials, yeah. Yeah, FC Mm. Clothing, man, Mm. FC. And uh, from there, I just started going crazy with market research. I just started, I was like, okay, I'm going to learn this business. And I just started going in 100%, reading as many articles as I could, and really trying to get a feel for for what the market was going to be like when I came home. He started prototyping in Portland, seeing if people liked the product, and he was getting an amazing response. And I was like, okay, like let's fuel this fire. So... I'm in transition, and um, a lot of the stuff that I did, I just I didn't really ask first. I feel like you just have to set it up and just go for it. Yeah, sometimes you do. Exactly. So one of my phone calls, I I called uh, I called the University of Oregon, right? I mm. heard from the grapevine that the University of Oregon had a program to where they got a a college professor and a student who was going to be a lawyer together, and they did your LLC paperwork for you. All you had to do was file a filing fee. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so I called them up and everything, and I was able to set this up. And talking with uh, the counselors and everything at the facility, we were able to set up a transport. So I went with the staff and everything, you know, side by side. And he took me down to the University of Oregon because we were in Florence, Oregon, so we were pretty close, you know. We went down there, and I was able to get involved with that, get the LLC paperwork knocked out. And That's cool. Yeah, man. Now, what else? Okay, there's other things you had to do. Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, big things like... Uh, you know, you had, you had funding. Fi- well, funding is huge. Mm-hmm. I was going to get to that, but I'm thinking more on the um, 
you know, the copyright side of things. I mean, you sure. have you have had to look and see if you could use that uh, mm -hmm. that name. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was legit. Mm -hmm. No one, there's no other brand out there called Forgotten Culture Clothing. Like that's yeah. us. It's a it's a good uh, it's a good I think it's a good name. So yeah, what about funding? So funding, man. So obviously. I'm not coming out with a lot of money. You know what I mean? I'm in this place. Uh, I'm in this transition facility. I'm, I'm weed whacking. They call it landscape, and we call this shit landscape demolition, right? Mm -hmm. Our job was to go to the place when there's a lot of elderly people in Florence, Oregon, and this is a great program that they got set up, and they have these amazing properties. The problem is when you get up that, that far in age, it's kind of hard to take care of freaking... 10 acres of, of property. I can't do it now. Oh, That's why I got a high rise. Hey, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm on the same thing. I'm like, I don't want a lot of possessions. We do yeah. moving jobs and stuff. I was like, okay, I'm not going to have rooms full of shit that I'm not going to use, you know? <laughs> I learned some lessons from that. But yeah. um, funding, Mercy Corps Northwest. Mercy Corps Northwest is what has allowed us to get our foot in the door with Forgotten Culture Clothing. I was able to participate in an IDA program, an individual development account. And I started that back in, in McLaren, actually. And we had to take their financial literacy class. We had to show them that we were meeting our goals each month, all of that. And they held us accountable to that. Ten people started in that program. Only ten, two people left. It was myself and uh, another friend. <clears throat> and um, they were offering a five-to-one investment on our funds that we put in. Right? So and I was where, were like, you, where were you raising that one? So I was just like... First, starting in McLaren, I, w I was working an elect electrical job. I was working that. I was making, like, what, 50 cents an hour? You know what I mean? So I wasn't able to put a lot. But I was like, as soon as I get into transition, I'm going to work my ass off in the field, and I'm going to make put all that money straight into this this account. And that's what I did. I got to uh, Camp Florence, and I just started grinding it out, man. How much were you able cruise. to raise? Uh, about $10,000 to start with. So you did that a $50,000 match? 50 oh, no, that no, was, no, 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 that was it, man. Total, that was yeah, it, yeah. total, yeah. So we were able well, to I start. Know it's, that's a lot of money coming out of prison, so, it is, yeah. it is. But in the business world, yeah, like I've not, seen, I've I found, yeah. man, like, yeah, it takes it takes a lot more. There's a little bit of operating capital to keep you alive. Now, do you sure. have uh, this? Is what I like to know about people. Do you, did you have support in the community when you got out? Did you have anybody that could at least give you a roof over your head, that kind of thing, for sure? So when, when I first got out and everything, um, I couldn't go and stay with my father and I, my mom's house just didn't, they just didn't have room. You know what I mean? My sisters, my brother, and everybody imagine. else living there. So mm. I kind of had to find somewhere to stay. And I was able to get in with some old volunteers. They, they volunteered a while ago and they knew me. And I was just like reaching out to everybody I knew and they were able to give me a room over there on Sandy, which was a huge blessing, man. And it was just like, I got out and I went to that You'll see it in the documentary. I'm actually walking into the house and stuff. Um, and there's a lesson to be but, learned. Hold the thought. There's a lesson to be learned there. There's, a, there's always a bunch of lessons in these things. But um, it's for people who who believe that because they're felons, they are going to get uh, di you know disrespected. They're going to get uh, they're going to have a lot of roadblock roadblocks for success. And it's true, they're going to. Um, but all of them can be overcome with the right attitude. People will give you opportunities, and mm -hmm. and your story is a great example of that because, um, you know, if you hadn't done the work that you did in prison, mm -hmm. you know, and made yourself a great candidate for everything, yeah. uh, then you know you would have had more roadblocks. For sure. Mm -hmm. Go for ahead. Sure. You were so, you had something you wanted to say. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, just adding on to the lesson of that. Another one is just how important it is to allow people who are inside to connect with people on the outside and to build that network with community members mm -hmm. and other people. So when they get home, they have some other people to rely on, you know. Um, and they believe in you because exactly. they're seeing what you're doing. You exactly. Know? You're, you know, you're that, doing, was, that was a big thing, big thing for Dave, you know, is that mm -hmm. when he got out, you know, his family accepted him back to the bakery. For you sure. Know, he, he worked at, you know, just a regular job at the bakery <clears throat> until he really started getting, you know, the new bread lined down. But yeah. but there was that support. And, I made know, 12 bucks an hour. It was, yeah, it was a sure, phenomenal man. amount of money at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and I had big fines. I ended up paying $45,000 in, uh, in uh, bail judgment Damn, uh, fees. But uh, I had twenty thousand restitution. I feel you, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? But I was like, man, I don't care. This is all you know. They yeah. can't. They can't take my spirit from me. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And Lad uh, did twenty years in prison, mm -hmm. uh, and 
let's see what it went you know he was my girl in there but when when he got <laughs> but that's like fuck you it was only got, <laughs> tuesday wednesday and friday the but other day yeah, she was my girl hey who asked you and then <clears> we got out and uh, and or i got out before him and i already had some place for sort of for him to go but he cool. was a guy who was a good candidate for that and mm-hmm. he was like he also showed up for work i mean didn't miss a day for years really okay uh, and that's the kind of attitude that it takes. Mm-hmm. You, you know, know what's kind of funny is we go back to that point where I moved up from Eugene uh, to move in with Dave and go to work at the bakery. Um, Dave, had, I had to go and interview with Dave's brother who owned the business at the time because Dave had recommended friends of his for jobs at the bakery and uh, they didn't work out so well. Mm-hmm. And so Dave's That's when I learned funny. another lesson. Mm-hmm. You can't, not everybody's ready. Yeah. You got, sure. you, someone like you is a great candidate. You know, if you needed a job, I would, it'd be so great to have you in there. Uh, but, but when I just hired friends, uh, they tend to screw me, you know, mm-hmm. over time. Not intentionally, but they'd be back on the dope or whatever. Yeah. And it's over. So uh, people, you know, businesses like your business, when you start hiring employees, I totally recommend hiring ex felons. Oh, At least partially, yeah. <laughs> uh, but of course, you don't just hire anybody, you hire the winners, yeah. the ones that are ready, the ones that For have sure. made themselves ready. So. Well, you Hell know, yeah. a bunch of those guys that prob- probably will be getting mm-hmm. out soon, you know. So when your business does grow, of course, keep all those friends of yours you had in those For programs sure. in mind, you know. For sure. So, so one question I got, Dave, before yeah. we go any further. This guy has a clothing company, right? He didn't bring us one stitch. Yeah. What the uh, hell? What's yeah, going well, on? You, oh. you, you might be able to knock him out and take his... That's uh, right. Yeah. If, <laughs> you, to if, if, you, if you can knock him out, you can take his, uh, his, take hat. his hat. Because his hat's pretty cool. Thank yeah, you. well, he didn't even bring any, any of his stuff for us to look at. Damn. We would, yeah, we'd love that's to something, see that's that. a lesson to learn. Always have your product with you. Yeah. My bread, I used to I used to go out and uh, speak to our kids. I speak to everybody from kids to senators. And mm-hmm. it was... It was so great, but I started throwing bread in the audience, and that got people going. You know what I mean? If they didn't like me, they at least liked my bread. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was just a great way to promote. So just sure. something to think about. I know you probably can't afford to just give away a lot of products. I got, I got, I got a couple hats for you guys. All right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so let me ask you, um, how are you producing the product? How, how is that happening? Yeah, so the way we produce our product, we, we try to run things as local as possible and mm-hmm. keep it just small and exclusive. Uh, that's, that's what we have to work with right now. So mm-hmm. we'll go through our, our, our manufacturers. We have local people printing, printing our stuff. I quickly learned that screen printing was a trade that I just really didn't want to learn from fucking up product. And I'm just like watching us mess up these shirts and I'm like $5, $5, $5. And I'm just right. like, damn. So it, it actually turns out to be cheaper if we focus more on business development and design right. and let that other process be And delegated. marketing. Exactly, and marketing. That's, that's, that's huge. Yeah, that's so, huge. but you have found somebody to do this. Is yeah. somebody doing it out of the garage or is it somebody established? No, we have, yeah, we have a, a local business yeah. that, that we work with to do that. Yeah, so for sure. on that note, um, do you have anything that our listeners can go to, a, a website yeah, or anything like that? Yep, absolutely. Here's your chance to plug. ForgottenCultureClothing.com, um, our Instagram, FC Clothing, look us up. And, uh, yeah, everything's available online. we got some exciting stuff that we got planned for this summer. We're going to be running tons of events that aren't centered around alcohol but centered around art and community. So. And, again, this radio star's name is Noah Schultz, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z. And uh, <laughs> I totally recommend going and seeing his story. Anyway, we got some more time here, and um, I, one question is: Now that you you're on this path, what do you think could derail you? What could fuck this up? What could fuck this up, man? You know, to be honest, I feel like us as entrepreneurs is we try to do everything. We want to do everything. We want to have our hand in the pot and everything. It's uh, overextending myself. I think overextending myself is what what could could fuck this up. Um, but but that's your business now. With that, yeah, that in, would, in personal life. Yeah, in personal life, I would say is just uh, you know, our 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 past never quite leave us, right? And it's a daily battle. It's a daily battle inside. Is that you're you're always gonna have that side that just wants to take control and like 
for me, get get physical with somebody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When people just disrespect in the kind of way, I'm just like, what the fuck you mean? And obviously that's you know your, what I mean. You're Achilles heel there. Yeah, <laughs> and but I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty good. At, I'm a pretty calm guy. You yeah, know? you do and the I, yoga big time. Oh man. hell yeah, hell yeah. Another great thing. Um, I'm, I'm really impressed with with that. I don't have the. I just can't do it. It's just I. I mean I, I love it when I do it, but I yeah. just don't get around to it. Um, I'm gonna take you to a class, man. Yeah, right on, right. <laughs> I think I know. I'm, I'm I think making I know. ass out of myself, man. I can't even stretch hardly, you know. But take you to hot so, yoga, man. Warm up that. Oh no, 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 no hot yoga. <laughs> I want frozen yoga. Frozen. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let me ask this question. You know, yeah. now that you know, you told us a story about your mom, your dad, your siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now that you've gotten out and that you have, you know, started a new business. So obviously, your attitude, your lifestyle is totally different. How is your relationship with your family at this point? You know, it's crazy that that prison was was kind of like this fucked up thing that brought everybody together, right? My parents were broken up at this time, and they could come together over the common cause of me being incarcerated. Through those visits <clears throat> in the facilities, I really got to rebuild those relationships. And did they, your mom and dad, build, rebuild their relationship? Uh, I mean, they, not so much. Yeah, well, they they That's talk, they talk, they yeah. talk. It's now a good and relationship. Stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah, respectful. <clears throat> it's better better than it was, you know. Yeah. Um, but I can, I can honestly say that I'm closer to my family than I've ever been. Yeah, yeah. I would expect so. Um, that's great. And now let's see, did, what kind of barriers do you think that you're going to, that you're, you're facing and that you will face going forward? Yeah, have you envisioned this? Some of the barriers moving forward, man. What are the challenges? Uh, you can say, what are the challenges Challenges to this sort of uh, business? You've obviously done some oh, for long-term sure. thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's. I can tell you a lot of challenges that we face, so I, sure. I, I'm curious what you think you're going to face and what you're facing now. Yeah, yeah, so some of the challenges that, that we can face, it's... Clothing is a hard market to break into, right? It's, uh, you have like to... Like bread, build- maybe? <laughs> <laughs> You ha- building a brand, right? We're building a brand right now, and we're building these values and just getting getting that exposure in in a world where people are constantly flooded with advertisements and everything else trying to sell them some shit. You know what I mean? It's like just showing how we are different, and uh, and we're we're kind of thinking about solutions to that, just like being more community focused and like letting our work speak louder than. Louder than anything. Well, when you think about it, you're doing the guerrilla marketing right now. Yep. What you're doing out here today um, is great. It, that's how I did all my marketing. I, mm-hmm. I just let people, people just wanted me to speak or do yeah. things like this. And sure. I just was all over it. Every time I got, a, I got an opportunity, I was on it. And I, you know, I started speaking. I spoke. I had I, the first thing I did was I was asked to do a Rotary Club. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty cool Rotary Club. And cool. it was successful. And then... All the Rotary Clubs wanted me to speak, so I went around to pretty much every Rotary Club in the area, nice. and on and on. It just it just grew from there, and I would, you know, you have the opportunity to get your exposure out, to get it mm-hmm. out there. Now, for you and your business, obviously, the youngsters are a great yeah. crowd. Uh, of course, most of them don't have a lot of money, but for sure, but they do find ways to get <laughs> get the good clothes. So for sure, for yeah. Sure. So what is your what is your uh, process there? I see um, you're doing some speaking. So. Oh, in in marketing? Well, your whole yeah, guerrilla marketing, whatever oh, yeah. you're thinking. Yeah, really this is gorilla. one thing, obviously. Yeah, guerrilla marketing, man. Like my eyes are just. I loved. I just love guerrilla marketing. I read a book about that when I was I was still incarcerated and stuff, and just how to use our our natural environment as a way to naturally advertise. Right. Some of my some of my some of my thoughts were. Um, I feel like I don't want to expose the secrets before we do them. You know what I mean? <laughs> Somebody's gonna jump on it. Maybe, maybe uh, but, uh, <laughs> vague. Maybe get something vague, and you know. Whatever. So, all right, I'm gonna tell you guys something cool that we we got planned for the summer. Is my dad got this old parcel truck, mm-hmm. right? And we're gonna completely remodel this parcel truck and kind of uh, make this an icon in Portland, man. And yeah. pulling up, pulling up to different locations, pulling up the back. They walk in, they're gonna have that experience of just oh, yeah. wood floors, racks, all of that. Uh, pulling up to skate parks, giving youngsters just like, you know, free sodas and free free merchandise, and just like, 
Just getting getting it out there, man. Yeah, maybe get up on the mic and stuff too. Oh, for while, sure. While you're doing that, so for sure. so you know you're you're telling us about you know your your business, mm-hmm. but you haven't really explained to us what it you know what type of clothing what what yeah, what makes exactly. your clothing different and better than something somebody else's. Exactly, exactly. So um, the type of clothing is that we fall under streetwear, urban streetwear. So usually stuff that you would see in cities. Um, and our target markets are street artists. Our target markets are people who are active in, in political scenes, people who are involved with breakdancing, hip-hop, all of that. All of that. That's, that's really our market and, and what we, we gain inspiration from. But with Forgotten Culture Clothing, we also gain inspiration from traditional patterns, traditional designs, and let that really influence um, what we do with our work. Okay, so I, you know, I know so you have a hat, and you referred mm-hmm. to that earlier. But what is it? Is it hats, shirts? Yeah, hats, what, what shirts, jackets. Uh, we haven't moved into pants yet. We have uh, a backpack that's going to be coming out here pretty soon. All all leather, hand stitched from from our guy Jose, who's like this old guy from Cuba who freaking does his thing, and we like to keep it that way. You know, yeah. like cool stories involved with all of what we do. Yeah, it's all very edgy stuff. You know, yeah. for. Um, and people love it. They really do. And the cool thing is that it's all sincere, real stuff. Um, people, people appreciate that. Mm-hmm. It, it starts ringing true. You know, um, it, the fake stuff doesn't work. For the sure. real stuff does. Right. For sure. You got to remember the story. Yeah. Dave brand. Dave won the lottery with a story. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a tremendous sense. story. In a For sense, sure. but the. It, it, the lottery, um, it, the difference between a lottery and what I did and what you're doing mm-hmm. is that it's a lot more work to do what we do. Mm-hmm. And we're a lot more prepared to, to make this, have the success For sure. For sure. than most of those lottery winners. I want to I say one more thing about what we want to do differently. And, you know, in prison, I feel like prison is one of the most creative spaces that's overlooked. You have some of the most creative minds who are just discovering like just masterful work in there, right? I've seen some most creative shit while I was inside and we want to utilize that and we want to run design contests. We'll, we'll put out the brief, like this is what we're looking for and we want to let the people who are inside design with us, right? I'm always looking in ways and we can, we can interlink mm-hmm. and um, we want to start running design contests within the facilities and using those designs on our clothing and when that person orders that shirt or that article of clothing, they will get that person's story. They will know who that person is, and we will help. Like it's just breaking down that stigma, man. Right. Breaking down that stigma, and we want to use this as a platform for other people. It's it's about co-promotion over over competition for us. We want to bring as many people up as possible. Very nice. Your passion is uh, is commendable and uh, you know totally obvious, and I love it, man. Uh, So okay, let's keep going on that marketing on that you know social getting it out word out there kind of deal. Mm -hmm. You were like. are you doing social media? Obviously, for sure we are. I, I jumped into social. Like this is crazy, man. Because when when I got locked up and everything, social media was not the social media that is today. Like wow. I had a flip phone. I had MySpace. Right. Wow. I got out. Like I was. I missed the Facebook boom. Wow. <laughs> right. So I got out and I'm, I did too. I had all yeah, that. Yeah. And, and MySpace and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And Facebook. Better than nothing. I you got know how cool. it is inside too. Social media is the banned book. Like they do no, not want you. No, there it. wasn't social media when you I can't. was inside. Oh yeah. They, I, yeah, mean, yeah I guess. I guess like you know guys with cell phones and shit. You know. You're, what I mean? you're a young guy. You don't. Yeah. Before. <clears> see. <throat> I was guerrilla marketing by going out to the farmer's market. That's where mm-hmm. I had opportunity to get into farmer's market, sure. which is amazing. For sure. Uh, and pe- they just started having this swell, this, uh, this swell of people. And uh, the opportunity for Facebook, first it was MySpace. I was taking every opportunity to get the word out there because I just couldn't handle it myself. Mm-hmm. You know? But if I, if I had a message that was going out to a lot of people and they were spreading it around, that worked. And, uh, you know, in the early days of Dave's Killer Bread, I had uh, my email address and my phone number mm. on the bag because I didn't have any customers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but within uh, a few months, I, was, I couldn't manage that. Mm. And, uh, I mean, there's something to be said for being very accessible in, those early, in that early times. Mm-hmm. Those early times. You're, it, when people see you and meet you and talk to you, they're going to be impressed, and you want to have that one-on-one mm-hmm. communication. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I think. So, uh, well, you know, Dave, um, not to toot Dave's horn, you know, because uh, pretty much uh, all the girls in Portland already do that. But <laughs> you know, um, when we were Some uh, of the boys, we were going downtown, uh, going to uh, San 
San Quentin. Dave was going to speak there. I mentioned that earlier. Mm -hmm. um, Twitter um, had just started, and uh, they were interested in Dave coming to talk to them so they could kind of talk to Dave about the fact that he had used social media, Facebook, and yeah. other things to promote his business. Yeah, um, sure. They s saw something there in Dave that they hadn't seen in too many businesses mm -hmm. and the growth of Dave's business. And uh, we didn't get a chance to actually go down and do it. Some other things come up, but what an opportunity for Dave to go, to be even asked for sure. to go to Twitter for sure. so that they oh, yeah. could talk to him a little bit about his business and how he did it so mm -hmm. they could kind of get some information and move forward with theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, at this point right now, you're probably you're you're probably struggling financially. It's not an easy. Nah, thing you're, at this point. You're, you're. It's real, man. Yeah. You, I mean, we can get we can get real about that. Uh, I mean, like right now, I'm gonna be real to you guys. Like me, me and my my business partner, we're we're sleeping on a queen size mattress in in a a house that we're 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 remodeling right now. You know what I mean? It is not the most lavish lifestyle. I'm not living in a freaking a good, I mean, it's it's safe and it's a good spot, right? And we're rebuilding it and we're working towards something. But sometimes you just have to make those sacrifices to go after sure. what you believe in. Absolutely. And like this shit is not easy. The life of an entrepreneur is not easy. It's it's pretty cutthroat, man. And no, like you gotta. It's funny, you know. Some people want that instant success, instant power, instant gratification, and I mean that's something you have to give up. When we mm -hmm. when we were in prison, or when, what led us to prison was instant gratification and think mm -hmm. you know that exactly. sort of mentality, where and, and this thing of power, instant power, the, the easy power. Uh, that doesn't pay. And that really doesn't pay for most most people, at least. And uh, you learned that it takes work, it takes dedication, sure. it takes uh, the ability, it takes the the you know the desire or willingness to fight for yeah. what you got to yeah. do. Uh, not hurt people, but exactly. if fight exactly. for it. And for sure. um, so, on that on that point, I mean, for me, I this is an example. I slept in my mom's garage mm -hmm. for quite a while. Okay. And I was fortunate to have that. Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, I got, I got. This is better than most exactly, of the accommodations man. I've exactly. ever had. So, I lived on the street. Uh, so that was actually worse than prison, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, I wanted to say, um, let's do a maybe a plug for. Say somebody wants to invest in your business. What would you um, have? You have you made a campaign for that there's there's opportunities mm -hmm. to get that going so um we haven't made that a campaign for that yet what we wanted to do was be able to to show people that we can get sales and show people what's working and show them if we put in just in, in our experience if we put more money towards this way of marketing we're getting this much more sales right mm -hmm. i tried out a new marketing platform a little bit ago and i got a 300 dollars sale from miami which was like exciting for us. I was like, holy shit, they don't even know us. You know what I mean? They're buying our products because it's, it's awesome. Yeah. You know, but um, just, just finding out the things that work, we've, we found out the things that work and we're actually getting ready to, to kind of make an ask for, for, for some more funding so we can make this, make this thing go. Everybody keep an eye on that because that might be a good opportunity for an investor. So, so yeah, remember, remember Dave about, um, about how you had this one particular bank and they denied you when you guys were going to move over? It's a good one, yeah. Well, you know, the, the initials of the bank were WF. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> we they were, our, um, they were our regular bank and they mm -hmm. denied us the opportunity. We needed about a million and a half dollars to make a move. Mm -hmm. We were already successful in the sense yep. that we that people loved our product, but the, it costs money to grow. It costs money. For you sure. have to front out things. It's kind of like the dope business. You mm -hmm. you have to have the product, and you have For to sure. get the product out there. Um, so, you know, one and a half million dollars we had to get from a, a smaller bank that was willing to invest locally in, in mm -hmm. us and take a chance, and it worked out for everybody. Awesome. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, you don't have that problem yet, but you, yeah. you have the problem of starting up. For sure, and for sure. You know, I remember Dave was speaking at a Rotary Club in uh, Salem. And he mentioned that story to the crowd, that uh, particular bank. You know, he didn't mention the name of the bank, of course, but um, said that they had denied him the funding. And afterwards, people would line up uh, to talk to Dave, get an autograph, or, or just say something to Dave. And there was a group of people there that had their bank little badge on mm -hmm. from the bank they were working okay. at, you know. And so they walked up to Dave, and the guy goes, Dave, 
this isn't the bank, is it? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Dave's like, no. <laughs> so they move forward and talk to Dave. It was kind of funny. Well, why don't you, uh, is it time for real quick for a little joke? A little joke? Yeah. Okay. Let's have a joke. Keep it quick. All right. All right. All right. So uh, here's the joke. Joke of the day. Uh, me and Noah and Dave walking down the street one day. And out of nowhere, this Mack truck runs us over and kills all three of us, and we're standing in front of St. Peter. St. Peter says, wow, I'm checking my books here, but you guys aren't supposed to have died yet. So I'm going to make an exception. And if you guys can agree to that exception, I'll put you back on earth. So he looks at me, and he says, lad, you will no longer eat pizza. And I'm like, but St. Peter, St. Pizza's my favorite. He's like, yeah, and that's why I'm taking it away. I'm like, all right, zap. He puts me right back on earth. He looks at Noah. And he says, Noah, you will no longer touch money. But Noah's like, St. Peter, I love money. He says, I know. But that's why I'm taking it away. Noah says, okay, zap, puts him right back on earth. He looks at Dave and he says, Dave, no more butt humping. <laughs> and Dave's like, but you know, St. Peter, that I love butt humping. And they got to take it away. Dave's like, all right, zap, put Dave back on earth. Wouldn't you know it, we're standing in a parking lot of a pizzerama. I smell the pizza, I run in, one bite of one slice, zap, right back to heaven I go. Dave turns to Noah and says, Noah, we gotta be cool, lad was only here five minutes, he's already gone. Uh And as he's saying this, his helicopter's flying overhead, this briefcase falls out, opens up in midair, and $20 bills everywhere. (laughs) Noah bends down to pick up a 20 and zap, Dave goes back to heaven. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a keeper. That was radio worthy <laughs> if I ever heard it. Oh, hey, and Dave, um, would you like to uh, mention our new sound guy? Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Um, wow, this is, a, this is a tough one. Hey, hey take it, Olaf. Yeah, yeah, it's Beausoleil, Alain Beausoleil, and it's a pleasure to uh, be here with you all, and I look all forward on. to... Uh, Having a real good relationship with everybody. For sure, man. Well, welcome. Man. Welcome. Thank you. So we're excited about doing this podcast. Um, we have a couple of them behind us, so you can go back and, and hear those. When you're hearing this, uh, we have a, we have some we have two more in the past, and we're going to have some other great uh, great guests. But we're going to just return to the great one we have right now. Uh, did you? What are you thinking right now? What is your day like right now? As of right now, this is this is uh, what I had planned. I might go back later and pack up some packages, run those to the post office, and that's that's kind of what I got going on today. Well, I know Catch you do other emails. things. There's other parts of your program. Like I know for, sure. for me, uh, you have something in common with me: exercise. Mm-hmm. Oh hell yeah, bro! Huge part of what you did. Most definitely. So if you think about what your day what your day is like, yep. you know what what motivates you every day. What what is what is it that you do to make yourself stronger during the day? So I wake up every morning. I go to bed pretty early. I go to bed at usually 9.30 or around 10. I wake up at 6. Um, as soon as I wake up, gym shoes are on. I'm on my way to 24-hour fitness to get my workout on. A lot of the time, you know how it is. Sometimes early in the morning, I just don't want to do that shit. Mm-hmm. But I know if that's the habit, and it's going to catch up with me if I don't. Mm-hmm. And when I do go to the gym in the morning, man, it primes me energy-wise for the rest of the day. And I'm just, like, knocking shit out after that. So I prime myself, get myself ready with my exercise, my lifting routine, and after that, I just, like, hop straight into it, whatever it be, maybe a meeting, whatever. Um, every day is kind of different for me. It's like, yeah. you yeah, know, I'm not, I'm not working an office job right now or anything like that. I'm just kind of freelancing. But so I'll get okay. money from speaking gigs and everything, and I just, like, I feel like it's uh, it's important that I keep my, my schedule flexible at this point so I can continue to, you know, work with these kids in these facilities and make these trips that I need to make to, to go and do this kind of work. So That's great. Uh, so, so you do have a routine, though. A certain oh, for r- sure. structure is crucial. And exactly. You, know it, uh, you have structure, but you don't overload yourself. I, I was kind of, that was the thing that was different about me. I, uh, man, I worked like 80 hours a week doing the bread. You know, I was Y'all like, see, 40, like 40 hours making the bread and 40 mm-hmm. hours trying to come up with something different. And, uh, I mean, that's that was an extreme week. But, For sure. Uh, that's what it had to be with the business that I was in. Um, I think you have a different approach, but I think that it could be just as as, as good. Oh, no, yeah. man. Trust me, I'm... I'm 
I'm running. I'm running around with my head chopped off, man. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, so you say you've had a few sales so far, and hopefully you'll get mm -hmm. a bunch more um, over time from things like this. Um, what would you say? The where would you like to be about a year from now? Say. A year from now. Yeah. How would you? What's realistic for you in about a year? So you know what, Dave? Can I? Can we back up just a little bit? Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, in a year, I, I, you know, that's that's really something to look at. But can you? You know, and I, I missed this. I think. How mm -hmm. long have you been out? I've been out for. I got out in 2016. Uh, October 12, 2016 is when I, f I first came home. I've been out for going on a year and a half now. I mean, I spent my year, my year mark. I was speaking in a prison. And like I was like that's how I opened my talk. I was yeah. like, on October twelfth, two thousand sixteen, I was released from prison. I was like it's October twelfth, two thousand seventeen, I'm still in a prison, and there's a reason I keep coming back to these places, mm. and it's because they re-energize me. Like speaking with those kids, working with those populations, I oh, see sure. so much hope and so much potential that it just like anytime, even if I'm feeling low at a low point in my life, it brings me back up. I'm like this is why I do this work. Mm. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. So, are you doing? Um, are you available for speaking gigs? I am. I am. Also, and how does that work? So, uh, people. A lot of the time, people just contact me directly or through the the Facebook page, Perception Documentary. Um, the documentary is available also on perceptiondoc.com. Um, are you open to giving out your email address? Absolutely. No, just lay, lay so, it out. my my email address is noahschultz.1 at gmail.com. Okay, great. Well, we only have a couple minutes left. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you feel like you really want to say? Hmm. Don't be telling me that I'm handsome, dude. I'm not <laughs> you're looking at me like that. Don't, it's weird. How, how about I give you, I leave, leave everybody with this one. Okay. What, what are the top three things that your customers will want and that you're trying to meet? Can you do that? Can you tell me that? That's a tough one. It's putting you on the spot. Ooh, the top three things our, our customers want and we can provide fresh fashion, hmm. something that's completely different than what everybody else is doing, a clothing line with a purpose. We're, some, we're, uh, we're a clothing line that gives back to the community and very entrenched in our, in our roots. Hmm. Um, number three would be an experience. Hmm. An experience and open up the box or coming out to one of our events and just meeting us one-on-one -on -one in person and just feeling the vibe of, of what we have going on. Yeah, and, so this is very, it's, it's inspiring. It's an inspiring story. <clears throat> it's an inspiring um, mission. And people who want to get beyond, you know, they can, you know, you can really be cool without doing drugs and without being a gangster and all sure. this stuff. But as a youngster, you just don't know that. You know, you, you're getting the attention from that. You're getting notoriety. That all, that all really agrees with a young, young guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you're providing sort of a roadmap to doing that without, to, to getting that recognition and that love and appreciation from the world and the community. Um, and, and that's something that people will, that it might sell product and, uh, and for a good reason. I also wanted to say uh, that for me, um, it was really, yeah, it was it was really like, um, God damn, where am I going to cut, cut this part out? <laughs> uh, I want, um, there was something I had. Tell me, lad, what was it? Well, you know, I, I think that it was the whole thing that when you went out there and started promoting it, you know, it, it wasn't so much the notoriety and, and, and all the fame and everything. It, it was just seeing happy people, you know, a product that was sure. outstanding and uh, above and beyond. And uh, I watched, you know, him, uh, you know, create new types of bread that were just, I mean, uh, you know, I miss that business. I miss seeing him in that creative mode. It was just out, outstanding to watch. You know, something sure. that you don't get to see in your lifetime, somebody that can create something like mm -hmm. that. And I think that was the, one point. of the biggest things in his life, you know, was that being was creative. A, that was a, a amazing time in my life. And being in that super creative designing mode. For sure, exactly. You know, and that's really, a, really something that's important. We design our lives. Mm -hmm. Let's get that out there. 
I designed my future beginning in 2001 uh, in prison with a few years left to go. I realized that I was the one with the power. Mm -hmm. I was that. Yeah. If you start, if you're blaming people, you're giving up the power. If Mm -hmm. you're making excuses, you're giving up your own power. Uh, You know all that. For sure. Uh, Everybody. That's a lesson that people can learn, that people need to learn, and they need to get excited and passionate, and they be, need to be humble. I mean, in my opinion, humility come, goes a long way. So if sure. you're like, wait, wait a minute, I'm no better or worse than other people. I love people. I want people to succeed. It's mm-hmm. my world. Um, I want my world to be a better place, and mm-hmm. I'm going to contribute to that. So I know sure. that's you. I know you're that way. Um, so we're pretty much about done for this this session, and uh, I think it's been a great one. I think this gentleman so is, uh, is going to rock and roll out here, and uh, I'm yep. excited. And I, I'd also like to uh, just thank once again our our uh, producer Mark Grimes, and uh, the opportunity that we have to come in here and do this every day. Yeah, and thanks. Uh, it's great meeting you all on, and I, I look forward to a lot of great work together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.